0: Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com slash support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. Psalm 122 verses 6 through 7. Many people have read these verses and prayed for the peace of Jerusalem throughout history. With a consistent warfare in this region, it often seems like peace is completely out of reach. Yet sometimes God answers our prayers in the most unexpected ways. A few weeks ago, leaders from Israel, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates met on the South lawn of the White House and signed the Abraham Accords. These historic peace treaties state that these three nations will work together to seek peace, security, and prosperity in the Middle East. But how will these treaties impact the ongoing conflict between Israelis and Palestinians? And what does the Bible tell us about God's plans for the Middle East? We invited New York Times best-selling author, Joel C. Rosenberg, to shed some light on what is going on in this region. Joel is also the founder of the Joshua Fund, an organization which helps Christians bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus, according to Genesis 12, one through three. The following interview was led by Chosen People Ministries President Dr. Mitch Glazer.
1: Joel, thank you for taking the time to tell us some of the backstory about the recent peace agreement signed by Israel, UAE, and Bahrain on September 15, 2020. So clarify this for us because a lot of different terminology is being used. What exactly was signed and what's the impact of it?
2: The Abraham Accords really are uh, peace treaties and full normalization treaties between the state of Israel, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain, uh, with the United States as the broker and the witness to the agreements. The critics and the cynics who are saying these are not real peace treaties are um it, it, that's just ridiculous it it it's a, it's offensive to think that after a century of hostility in the in the region of the middle east that two arab states making um real warm peace treaties with Israel, the first two Arab countries to make peace with Israel in more than a quarter of a century, uh, that you know, that's somehow illegitimate or not real or not serious or uh, – that's just an offensive thought, and it, 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 I think it reflects more of the partisan nature of what's going on in Washington right now than the reality. Uh, you know there are people who just don't want to give President Trump credit for anything, and President Trump actually deserves enormous credit for brokering these deals. I have talked to the senior leaders in, in the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and Israel, and I can tell you that all of the negotiations went through the White House. That the parties didn't even speak directly to them to to each other. in the the most detailed uh, discussions that led to the final agreement. It was entirely brokered by the White House. Mm -hmm. Um, And the most important element is that these these agreements are going to lead to far warmer and far fuller uh, peace relationships with uh, Israel and these two Arab states than with the two previous peace treaty signers, Egypt and Jordan. Um, the, the one key difference to note is obviously Egypt and Jordan were in, um, you know, direct military conflict uh, with Israel, and those peace treaties ended that and have kept those borders quiet uh, for decades. Uh, while the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain did not actually go into a military conflict, they were definitely at war with Israel. Uh, they participated in the economic um, sanctions and embargoes uh, against Israel. They voted against Israel uh, constantly in uh, with the rest of the Arab world at the United Nations against Israel. Uh, you know they they fully participated. In the isolation and delegitimization campaign against Israel for for many years, but not in the most recent years, there was was a real thawing, and a warming of those relationships. But they've decided to go public and make it formal, and it's very exciting.
1: What practical differences do you think that's going to make economically, politically, even tourism uh, between? the Gulf states, and Israel?
2: Well, it's, if you notice the first set of practical um, you know, memorandums of understanding and other legal documents that were signed in the days leading up to and following the signing of the Abraham Accords, they were very practical, and they indicate how, uh, how much benefit both sides are going to get, or all sides are going to get, uh, friendly agreements. The, these are agreements on civil aviation. You know, there's going to be direct flights between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, between Israel and Bahrain, and those are, by the way, going to go through Saudi airspace. And the mm-hmm. Saudis aren't yet ready to make peace with Israel, but they have agreed <laughs> to let Israeli and Emirati and Bahraini and other planes fly through their airspace. This Good is huge. <laughs> uh, Great uh, the other agreements are about banking. They're about private property rights. They're about setting up small business uh, agreements. Uh, the United Arab Emirates has now required every hotel in their country to have kosher meals. <laughs> like, uh, that's not happened in Egypt. It hasn't happened in Jordan. <clears throat> We're talking about major financial deals already in motion. Uh, just one example, just a couple days ago, uh, an Israeli soccer player uh, signed a contract to play for a uh, united Arab emirates uh, team mm-hmm. uh, this This is just transformational. It's not just a geopolitical peace agreement between these three countries. It's a cultural transformation of two arab Muslim majority states deciding to be Jewish is good, um, uh, wonderful, acceptable, praiseworthy, to be that Israel has its right to be in the Middle East as a, as a proper and um, full neighbor of everybody else, that Israel has a historic claim to the land, that Jews and Christians have been in the region for centuries and deserve uh, you know, the fullness of, of relationships. And this is what they're saying publicly in Arabic. I thought the most exciting moment being on the south lawn of the White House to watch these documents get signed, a huge privilege in its own right. But the most exciting moment for me was to hear um, my friend, the foreign minister of the United Arab Emirates, Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed, give his peace, uh, his peace uh, address in Arabic. Why is that important? It's because so often uh, Arab leaders historically have said nice things about Israel, if they say them at all, they say them in English, but then they say horrible things about Israel in Arabic. And this was a live broadcast in the entire Arab world uh, in Arabic with English translation, but just tremendously exciting and Um, the the most dramatic peace treaties, again, we've seen in in a quarter of a century. Do you think that uh,
1: Oman and some of the other Gulf states are going to follow suit? Of course, the big one is Saudi Arabia, but what are your thoughts on that? Uh,
2: Yes, I think there is a, a list of countries that are actively considering, is this now the time to bring the radar into the light of day, uh, Oman would certainly be near or at the top of the list. Uh, the challenge that uh, and I say that because because um, the Sultan of Oman uh, invited Prime Minister Netanyahu to visit two years ago and and then publicized that video uh, that, that trip with photos and video and uh, it, that was very dramatic. Um, Now that sultan has since passed away, and so the new sultan um, is now in power. And there's no reason to think that he doesn't agree with his Hmm. predecessor. But does he feel like he has, you know, that he he's sort of solidified his own uh, leadership and that he's ready to make such a big decision? That's a good question, and I don't have an answer for that yet. We'll see. Interestingly, Hmm. Sudan is currently at the top of the list of almost everyone that I talked to in the administration and among Arab leaders. They think Sudan is getting ready to make peace, which is interesting because Sudan is uh, historically was a radical Islamist uh, regime. Uh, Sudan was a full ally and partner with the Islamic Republic of Iran. Sudan was the home for many years of Osama bin Laden before he moved to Afghanistan and lived in the caves. Uh, and Sudan's capital, Khartoum, was the site of the famous Arab League uh, meeting in 1967 when after the 67 war, Israel offered peace and offered to give much of the land to the Arabs for peace, and the Arab League issued its three no's, no peace, no recognition, no negotiations. Hmm. So, if Sudan were now to make peace with Israel, uh, that would be exciting, it would be dramatic, but I would note, Mitch, <laughs> that uh, Sudan also appears commonly in a future prophecy of a war against Israel. The war known in Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty-nine as the war of Gog and Magog. So I wouldn't hold your breath for a full normalization, but maybe that maybe that prophetic war is many, many years off. So
1: yes, we don't we don't we'll take we, it when
2: we, we can get it, right? We don't so we don't
1: yeah. know. <laughs> take peace when you can get it. We don't know the exactly. only one knows the future. Hey Joel, aren't there quite a few Sudanese refugees in Israel?
2: There are yes, um some of them there illegally, some illegally, but uh the, the the civil war that Sudan had for many years um and a whole all the jihadist uh terrorism, um, and just the horrific mismanagement and corruption and tyranny inside Sudan for many years um drove uh, many to try to find um peace and solitude and and quiet, and they decided many, thousands and thousands to come to Israel. So there has been a lot of regime change and and, and, and internal change going on in Sudan. So there's definitely progress, um, but Sudan has been developing quiet relationships with Israel, and um, Sudan's leader, the current leader, actually met privately with Netanyahu in another African country um, last year. I also just recently interviewed, uh, just last week, uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and in that interview, he described how dramatic it was for him to take the first direct flight from Israel to Sudan um, as part of his peacemaking um, shuttles. So uh, Sudan would definitely be a country to watch. There are a few others to keep an eye on. Morocco would be one. Morocco has had very warm relations with Israel. Um, There is a large Jewish community um, in Morocco. There, of course, is a huge Jewish community who are now Israelis that are from Morocco. Um, And Morocco has – I've been to Morocco numerous times. Uh, They have wanted peace with Israel. However, Morocco never wanted to get out in front of the Arab countries that were closer in the region to Israel. So now with four Arab countries having made peace with Israel, um, the question would become, uh, is Morocco's king, uh, Mohammed VI, is he ready? Um, I don't know the answer to that yet, but um, again— These are a few, and and there are more.
1: When you think about this, this is really the beginning of really incredible uh, sea changes for Israel as a nation. I I have a side question, quick one maybe, but it would seem to me that uh, Israel could always use more investment funds. So I'm wondering whether or not uh, UAE, Bahrain, or even some of the other uh, countries you've mentioned, uh, have considered Israel as a place where they can invest funds.
2: Yes, uh, and, and in talking to officials uh, from both of those countries uh, over the last few weeks since the signing of the Abraham Accord, um, I know that there are numerous uh, business deals and venture capital deals that are in the works. Mm. Um, the Israeli business and financial community is uh, has been a buzz. Uh, with uh, all kinds of in, 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 uh, in developing these deals because you're right. Uh, the UAE and Bahrain are very wealthy countries. Uh, UAE is more wealthy than Bahrain because it has more oil. But both countries are very diversified. They're not depending on their oil anymore. Uh, they have become financial services leaders, banking leaders, high-tech leaders in the Arab world and so they are among the most advanced countries i would say the most advanced countries in the arab world and therefore uh there's a lot of synergy with the sort of startup nation uh that israel is and um it's being uh the, the only drawback at the moment is that covid is so bad in israel that it's uh, slowing down some cooperations but People are business. People are on. Uh, they're burning up the the phone lines, which are now open and they never had been before. You can make direct calls between these countries, and you couldn't before. And uh, and Zoom has uh, apparently replaced uh, uh, the airplane as the best way to meet.
1: Wow, R- pretty
2: exciting for Israel. Um, it's very exciting. I mean, again, this is this is the biggest transformation in. Arab-Israeli relations, um, I think, in, in the history of the modern state of Israel. This is going to surpass um, the, uh, the 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 peace deals of Egypt and Jordan in the sense that it, these the, the Abraham Accords are going to set the new model of what peace and normalization uh, can be, what they should be. Um, it's not to take away from... How important the Egyptian and Jordanian deals with Israel were because they really did bring peace they they brought security on those borders and and no militarized you uh, know confrontations anymore but but they didn't ever become full warm business cultural, tourist financial relationships and 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 these new deals will be.
0: We do not know when we will be able to travel to Israel and behold
2: its beauty in person, which is why we recommend our book, Israel, the Land, and the People. Whether you have been to Israel before or you have yet to visit, you will enjoy looking at the beautiful pictures taken by Chosen People Ministry staff member, Lawrence Hirsch. Take your appreciation a step further by reading Israel, the Church, and the Middle
0: East, a collection of timely writings about the connection between these three important topics. Buy both books bundled together now for only seventeen ninety five
2: dollars 95 at ourhopepodcast.com forward slash Israel Bundle.
1: Joel, um, I was uh, privileged to sort of uh, chart your travels at times as your friend and know and was even invited to one of the trip invited to one of the trips go visit some of the middle eastern countries that you brought a number of key evangelicals to visit and to get to know these countries and to and to give uh goodwill for the gospel to uh these various countries uh so you kind of had a uh, you know, you you sort of were able to see the backstory developing in a lot of these areas is there anything you can tell that chosen people family that would uh, make them feel special so that they know a little bit more about the backstory. And uh, what, I I don't think that all of this took you completely by surprise. So can can you tell us a little bit about what you discovered?
2: I'd be happy to, it is extraordinary that uh, evangelicals have had a front row seat in what has been um, developing over the last several years. Um, The Crown Prince of the United Arab Emirates, uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, uh, uh, commonly known by his initials NBZ, invited me to bring a delegation of evangelical leaders uh, to uh, visit him in the capital of Abu Dhabi in the fall of 2018. And we, I, did, I took uh, this group of about uh, 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 10 evangelical leaders with me. Um, among other meetings that we had in the country, we spent two hours in the palace in an off-the-record meeting with MBZ. So there are many things, unfortunately, that I can't share, but I can share this now. We communicated to the crown prince that – when it came to the issue of, of peacemaking and Israel, uh, there were three things that we as evangelicals wanted him to know. Number one, um, we love Israel and we love the Jewish people. Uh, and for evangelicals, this is a theological position, not a political position. And he just needed to know that we are deeply committed. To Israel's security and 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 freedom and prosperity and uh, and and and, uh, and sovereignty, and we just wanted him to know that. Number two, that Jesus commands us to love our neighbors. So we did not want him to think that because we love Israel, we hate the Palestinians or Arabs or Muslims more broadly. Uh, some evangelicals, okay, have it have have struggled with uh, language or or even positions that aren't reflective of Jesus's command, but, but we wanted to communicate to him that we're commanded to love our neighbors. We don't always know how, we're finding our way, but we wanted him to know that we don't see this either or, that we we love both and while we believe that Israel has a special and a unique place in God's plan and purpose and in the region, um, we We want there to be peace, and we um, we want to build better relations with the Arab and Muslim world. The third point we made to him was, uh, we are commanded in the scriptures to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and as sixty million evangelicals just in the United States alone uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we are looking for who will be the next Arab leader. To make peace with Israel, and uh, I, I, as the leader of the delegation, I I was the one that made these three points and stressed a little bit on the third one, like we would love it to be you. And he shocked us by saying, "Joel, I'm ready. I am ready to make peace with Israel, and um, and I believe that the time is coming very soon." That shocked us because I'm not saying that we were going to say these three things in sort of pro forma way but we didn't expect anyone to say back to us what nbz said we've said this to numerous um, arab leaders in the region and that was the first one that said that he was ready and so the question we began to discuss with him is okay how did you get to that point and where do you go from here so in those last two years now i have stayed in very close communication with the inner circle around the Crown Prince and even um, up through the summer uh, was in direct communications uh, with them because I'm writing a book, a nonfiction book that will come out in the fall of 2000, I'm sorry, 2021 that will be timed for the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. And so what the book looks at is 20 years after 9-11, Who are the bad guys? How is our fight with radical Islamism going? Who are the good guys? Who are the Arab countries that are fighting radical Islam very actively, want a much closer relationship with the United States, and even are trending towards peace with Israel? And the third section is how is the state of the church and religious freedom in the Middle East? And so this is the book I've been working on with a lot of exclusive material from these. Six delegations that I've led. All that to say, it was it became clear uh, in July when I was here in, in in Washington with the UAE ambassador that they were ready, that they had actually put an offer on the table to uh, for Netanyahu through the White House, and that those negotiations were were in motion. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me! Like I, so it's I knew they were heading in that direction. But it was dramatic. And I will say that I was surprised by how quickly things accelerated this summer, especially when the big topic in Israel was whether Israel was going to annex or apply Israeli sovereign law over large swaths of Judea and Samaria, uh, what the world commonly knows as the West Bank. That was Netanyahu's objective all summer and that seemed to preclude any possibility of peace with the Arab states, I was making the argument that while I support expansion of Israeli sovereignty in Judea and Samaria, the biblical heartland, over time, that I believed that a peace treaty with one of of the Gulf states was a, a higher objective for Israel in the near term. And I was making that case publicly and in a quite lonely fashion, but um, it's in part because I knew it was possible, um, but it still stunned me. I, you know, it, it's it's like when you, pr- we've been praying, right, as Christians, as Messianic Jews for decades for the peace of Jerusalem, but it's a little bit like praying for Peter to be released from prison, and then he knocks on your front door and you can't even believe that he's standing there. You're a bit stunned. Uh, we know by that it God all. can, answer, yeah, we know that God can answer these prayers. We just don't always expect Him to really do it. And this summer was a game-changing moment.
1: Well, if I can uh, I jump off on that one just for a moment, so the elephant in the room, of course, is uh, peace with the Palestinians and uh, the uh, the almost was a 200-page peace plan that uh, that the White House presented uh, uh, right. to Israel and to the Palestinians, and, uh, and of course there was all sorts of rejiggering and renegotiating of uh, territory, and uh, all that was kind of put aside. It is a classic two-state solution, I believe, but uh, the states are divided up maybe uh, differently than some people expected, uh, but all of a sudden Netanyahu stopped uh, in terms of the annexation and all of a sudden you have peace with uh, UAE and Bahrain and so my question is twofold really um, how do the how how are the Palestinian people reacting uh, to all of this and then secondly if you could also tell us how's the man on, on the street the average Israeli responding to these new events as well but we're really interested in sure. knowing what you think the Palestinian response is and where it might be going?
2: Well, I've been interviewing uh, a number of Palestinians uh, about this, uh, including um, a, a former senior advisor to the Palestinian negotiating team. And uh, there is mixed reaction in the Palestinian community. At the leadership level, it, there's total hostility towards the Trump Peace plan, and now a deep hostility and bitterness towards the leadership of the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. Mm. Uh, uh, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas and his team are, are routinely calling the leaders of the UAE and Bahrain backstabbers, traitors, betrayers. Um, this is not the language of peace. Uh, you would think that somebody making peace with Israel would be a good thing, um, but that is not how it's seen in Ramallah. Now it's a mixed reaction among the people. I have not seen any polling yet, and remember and, – and, and actually it's hard to remember at times – that the Palestinian territories are, are not free societies. They really don't have the freedom. To say whatever they want, um, it doesn't mean that you won't find Palestinians who do tell you, but it's it. But they in Gaza, you know, Hamas, the terrorist organization, is in charge, so it's very hard to get somebody's real direct opinion. And in the Palestinian Authority on the West Bank, um, you know, this is a this is a, a tyranny. They uh, Mahmoud Abbas is. Now serving, I think, his fifteenth year of his four-year elected term. So, you know, this is not uh, this, there's not freedom there. And so, uh, but what I think you're beginning to see fissures inside the Palestinian society. Those who hate Trump and and hate um, uh, all the pro-Israel things that the Trump administration has done and they feel betrayed and they're embittered. But you see others who are thinking, well, why, why can't we go at least talk? Why can't we, this, this is going on forever. Why, why can't we make some agreement and, um, and accept the $50 billion that the Gulf States offered last year to invest in a private economy in um, the West Bank? to build factories and water desalinization plants and electrical plants and infrastructure, create a million new jobs. That sounds pretty good to to many Palestinians. But uh, we need to pray as Christians and as Messianic Jews uh, for the Palestinian people. We don't have to agree with every position that they take politically – but we have to remember they are a very lonely and isolated people that um, – uh, they are people whom God has created and God loves and God has a plan for. And it's a good plan, a plan um, that um, could benefit them enormously spiritually and, and practically, but it's it's a society that overall has is, – is rejecting uh, peace, and is cursing Israel almost every day. And we know there are consequences to cursing Israel and the Jewish people. It, it comes out of Genesis 12. We, but we as Christians need to not be happy about that. We need to right. show compassion. We ought to be the ones who, um, without bailing on our love and support for Israel, should be proactive in showing compassion for the Palestinian people especially now you know without being patronizing or anything but I'm, but this but there are, that one of the things i am doing is working with these arab leaders who actually want to help the palestinian people the uae sent two plane loads full of supplies to help the palestinians fight the covid pandemic and the palestinian leadership rejected the shipments and sent them away well we like, we That's really just, need, uh, we need painful we, to watch.
1: We really need to pray because when people start when people are embittered, no good can come from it.
0: Our staff at Chosen People Ministries is ready to share with your congregation about God's future plans for Israel. Book a staff member to speak at your church or small group meeting online or in person at chosenpeople.com/speaker.
1: Joel, thank you for everything that you're doing. And thank you for this great information. Could you just take one minute and tell us all about the All Arab News and All Israel News, president of and CEO of Near East Media. You've ha- had such a great uh, ministry through the Joshua Fund, helping ministries like Chosen People Ministries in Israel and so many others. Uh, We're very grateful for all that you did there, and we're grateful for this new ministry. I know you're not stopping the old, but you're adding something new. Can you just tell us real quickly, uh, what is is Near East Media all about, and what is your role in Near East Media?
2: Well, I appreciate it. Uh, Happy to. Yes, I I am continuing my work to to advance uh, the Joshua Fund, which is essentially a mutual fund uh, to invest in um uh, the, the growth and the strength of the church and the messianic body in Israel and throughout uh, five uh, uh neighboring Arab countries as well as the Palestinian territories. But we also believe uh, I believe that um the media bias against Israel, against peace, <laughs> against um uh the thing the values that we hold dear, um anti-Christian uh media is so bad that I decided to launch two new websites. One is called All Israel News, and the other is All Arab News. All Israel News is allisrael.com, and, and the Arab News is, is um, allarab.news. Um, I know that will come out in the transcript. You guys should just figure that out. But <laughs> we'll, the point is – We'll get it. <laughs> yeah. the Why? Because so we can provide um, links to all the really good and credible coverage in the Israeli press, Arab press, and and American and other media. There is good reporting out there, but most Christians and Messianic Jews don't have the time to go sifting through dozens of websites to figure out what's real, what's important, what's credible. Uh, You know, so this these become. Uh, I call it one stop shopping, but I realize it's two stops because it's two sites. Uh, but we're linking to all the most important stories in the region. But we're also providing original reporting, exclusive interviews, um, and analysis. You know, what's happening, but why is it important? And why should we, uh, how do we fit it into the larger picture? As evangelicals, we're, we're very distinctly and specifically focused on. Um, and communicating to the world 600 million evangelicals what's happening in Israel and the region and why does it matter. And what's been exciting about it is that we have had um, we've only we only started operations um, on on September 1st and already um, our articles and our exclusive interviews are being cited and quoted in Israeli newspapers and Arab newspapers, our stories are being retweeted by um, Muslim leaders and Jewish leaders, as well as evangelical leaders. So we're already starting to make some impact. Last well, we, week, I had an exclusive interview with Secretary Mike Pompeo on the yeah. Iran threat. Um, uh, our, our story today, as, as you and I record this, is, is our lead story is that the Saudi ambassador to the United States, had a private dinner with eight evangelical leaders, myself included. And we, we sort of take you inside as much as we can uh, to help you understand why, what's going on with Saudi Arabia. And, and anyway, so it's been a fascinating new venture, and I hope that people will find it helpful. We're not competing with other Christian media. We're actually linking to Christianity Today, to CBN News, but we're trying to create essentially one-stop shopping and value added with our uh, original uh, and exclusive reporting. So I'm, I'm very thrilled. And the last part about that is um, I love the fact that we've got a team of Israeli, Palestinian, and Lebanese followers of Jesus uh, working for me in this new venture. Uh, they're young, they're hungry, they're excited. And I have found it a thrill to work with them, uh, train them, and lead them. And I am enjoying this. And I think that if you look forward, we know that uh, peace is breaking out now, but we know that other um, contractions in the prophetic birth pangs are coming, all of which are going to be interesting, all of which are going to need to be covered well. And the question is, do you really trust the mainstream media to to help you understand what's happening and why it matters. My answer is no. (laughs) That's why I started all Israel news and all Arab news.
1: Well, they're they're certainly not going to look at it through a biblical lens like you do and like, like we do. And, and uh, we really need to be grounded in the scriptures in order to understand what God is doing in the world today, especially in the Middle East. Joel, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate it and we pray god's blessings on uh, all israel uh news and all arab news and uh we thank you for your time so shalom well i appreciate blessings.
2: it and i will just all oh, right let me just ask one prayer request and that is because we didn't actually get to this question uh, you asked it but we didn't get to it and that is um how, how is the man on the street seeing it uh peace Uh, They love it, but they don't really care right now because COVID has gotten so bad, Mitch, in Israel that uh, I just did a story um, yesterday uh, for All Israel News um, that Israel is losing its second Yom Kippur war. More Israelis have died of COVID this year than in all the wars and terrorist attacks for the last 20 years.
1: Yeah, that was that this was is, striking. By the way, that ended that moment. ended up all that ended up all over the chosen people media, just and the Alliance for the Peace oh, of Jerusalem media. We we got well, that out go all over the place. And well, I'm glad it's that. horrifying. So
2: I, I I it's horrifying, and I don't think people fully understand. We had 9,200 cases uh, the other day. That's the highest we've ever had. That was one day new cases. So it, the bottom line here is. Um, we we want to pray, obviously, for healing and pray that the Lord would take this plague away from Israel and America and the rest of the world. But we also want to pray that that the fear of our own mortality will be helpful for all the people in Israel and the region to think what happens next. And so we don't want this thing to be happening. We want to end. But in the meantime, would the Lord use it uh, for his glory?
1: The frailty of our human sukkah booths, they don't endure forever, only our relationship with him endures forever.
0: It is easy to look at the Abraham Accords with fear, not knowing if this peace will last. But today, we challenge you to trust God, who is sovereign and is ultimately in control over everything. Please continue to pray with us for the peace of Jerusalem, the salvation of all who live in the Middle East, and for the healing of those who are suffering from the coronavirus. We pray in agreement with Joel that God will use this pandemic to draw people to himself, knowing that this life is fragile, but through Yeshua, we can have eternal life. Thanks for listening to this episode of Our Hope. This episode was made possible thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Joel C. Rosenberg, Nicole Vaca, Grace Sweet and Kyron Bautista. Until next time.
2: Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHopePodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. See you next time.